Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. It's good to see you. Good to be here at Activate. It's hard to believe that uh, next year will be 10 years that uh, Activate has uh, been in existence and uh, lots of mighty and great things have happened uh, over that time and it's just such an honour to be back and part of the church family and uh, always feels like I'm coming home and we're coming home whenever we come here and uh, we just love you guys so much. I was actually um, really looking forward to uh, uh, attending church this morning. Hopefully you were too. Um, but I've got to be honest, I, I get to preach at a lot of different places now and, and, and uh, God has just been doing such amazing things. But sometimes, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not sure I want to go to church today. That's being completely honest, all right? Um, but, but today was like, no, I really do want to be at church today. Uh, um, and, and if you think, you know, you unholy, unspiritual person knew that doesn't want to go to church and you're a preacher how does that happen well I've preached over 300 times this year and so basically um, it's sort of been like you know what there's only so many times you can open your mouth and speak before there are no unspoken thoughts every thought you've ever had has been revealed okay and you get to a point where you're like I am sick of hearing myself Um, shut up you know so um, uh, but but today I I know that God has put something on my heart uh, for you and I'm just excited about spending this day with Activate Church. Uh, I'm excited for your future. I'm excited for 2016 for you. Um, and, and I want to speak into that as a part of uh, my message today. Um, if you want to stay um, connected with what's happening, we've just um, printed some new brochures and things uh, out in the foyer that you, that you can grab. And also I'll be bringing um, uh, several of my books um, next year. Uh, just been through a whole process of rebranding and things, so we'll bring them next year. But why don't we pray and let's get into it. Father, I just thank you so much for your presence here. I thank you, Lord, uh, that um, you're here to heal and transform and to encourage and inspire today. And Lord, we just ask that you'd come and be the teacher and be the prophet and, and, and be, the, be the person. Take the main stage today, Father. Lord, we just welcome your presence. We honor you. And we thank you, Lord, that for what you have done this year in this church. We thank you, Lord, for, uh, Lord, the leaders of this house, Pastor Ben and Sarah. We thank you, Lord, for the board and all the elders and everyone who's contributing. But, Lord, we thank you that 2016 is a new frontier. It's, it's a new day. It's a new season. And I thank you, Lord, that you want to shift this church in these next four to six weeks as this church transitions into a new year. And I pray, Lord, that what happens on this day would be a catalyst towards that. And so, Father, come and move by your spirit. We welcome you here in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I want you to go to, with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And... Uh, <clears throat> I haven't preached um, this sermon at too many places, but I really felt like this was a message that I've written in recent times for you guys. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 says this. Paul is speaking and he says, and, and when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I want to speak to you this morning about a power shift, a power shift. Um, One of life's greatest lessons is watching your children as they grow mirror back to you your behavior. (laughs) Any parents in the room know what I'm talking about, right? And so my youngest, Joshua, who's quickly growing, he's uh, seven years old now, and and he is um, one of those kids who wants to do everything themselves, right? And so it doesn't matter what it is, but at least once a day, as a parent, you will come to Joshua and you'll say, Joshua, I can help you with that. I can help you with your breakfast. I can help you with that activity that you're doing. And Joshua will just stiff arm his dad, stiff arm his mum, and just say, you know, no, I can take care of it. I can do it. But what invariably happens is that, and it generally starts at the breakfast time, first thing in the morning, where he pulls out the bottle of milk from the fridge and the bottle of milk is nearly bigger than him. Do you know what I'm saying, right? And he's got that there and he's pulling it down like it's a 10 kilo weight and he's got his bowl full of cereal and then he starts to pour and you know what's going to happen. You can see what is going to take place. But something in your heart, well, you want to help. You know that that kid doesn't want your help because he is now independent he's seven and he's worked it all out and he knows what he wants to do and so he begins to pour but he doesn't sort of measure or judge the amount of weight of that milk pouring into that bowl and so what ends up happening is all that milk pours pours into that bowl and the milk just starts to overflow and go everywhere and cereal goes everywhere and then Joshua looks at his dad as if I am the problem as if I've not done something here and I I said son I've offered to help and and, and, and often throughout the day, this sort of series of comedic events continue. And as I grow in frustration, the Holy Spirit says into my heart, Corey, that's just like you. <laughs> it's just like you and me. You see, we say to God things like, you know what, I, I can handle my finances or I can handle this relationship or I can handle this issue. I can handle this um, problem in my business. I can handle it. And God is up. The, the great Abba Father is, is in our hearts by His Spirit and up in the heavens saying, I can help you with that. I can actually uh, uh, lend a hand and help this thing along a little bit. And we look at God and say, no, it's okay. I I can do this on my own. And the more stubborn that we become, the more we don't realize we're actually cutting off the supply line of God's power and of God's spirit and of God's grace of working in our lives. You see, the pathway to power in the kingdom of God is very different to the pathway to power in the world. From birth, we are taught to be self-reliant. In fact, we celebrate self-reliance and growing independence as a culture. 
I was talking to someone yesterday and they were talking about how excited they were to see their, their kids grow in independence. We celebrate when our kids begin to walk and that's a wonderful thing. It's helpful to walk. We celebrate when, 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 when our kids start to develop skills that show they're maturing. And it's almost like we as a culture on one level celebrate this growing independence. The only problem is when you come into the kingdom of God, you have to unlearn your independence. You have to unlearn this self-reliance that the spirit of this world and the culture of this world encourages, applauds and celebrates. And so when we come into the kingdom of God, it's almost like we go backwards in some ways where we're learning to depend upon the presence of God and where we start to learn that we'll never be empowered to do what God has actually called us to do as long as we are relying upon ourselves. But the heart attitude required for a power shift in the kingdom of God is actually helplessness. It's utter helplessness. I remember when I was 14 years old, hiking in uh, the, the Yarra Valley Ranges in the mountains up through Powtown Way. And, and I can remember uh, 21K in to a 28K hike up and down mountains. And we got to one section. Everything had been going well up to that point. Got the compass, got the map. We were hiking, experienced uh, uh, hikers, etc. Bushwalkers were with us and older than me. And, and I was trusting them. We got into this area of the hike and we got completely lost for about an hour. And what happened was it actually became quite funny at first, and then it became quite serious. But we started just walk around in circles uh, in, in a sort of probably about three, four hundred meter uh, radius sort of area. And we just began to walk around in circle, kept coming back to this one particular tree and and at first it was funny it's like we've seen this before deja vu and 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 then after an hour of that as it's getting darker and thunder and lightning is starting and I'm thinking that lions and tigers are about to eat me right and I'm going to spend the night and I'm imagining you know sort of like you know mum and dad will send out search and rescue surely they won't but they actually weren't worried at all they're just at home they probably just would have had a nice sleep in bed while their son was suffering up in the forest And so uh, all these things are going through my head. And it wasn't until we got to a point where the lead hiker said, he goes, I I don't know what to do anymore. Uh, Everything I've looked at, all my skills, I don't know what to do. He says, I think it's time we pray. Then I started to really get scared, right? Because I'm like, if the dude who should know what he's doing is praying, this means it's serious. But do you know, after five minutes of just stopping in our helplessness and embracing the helplessness, we had a power shift in our lives. And right there after about 10 minutes of that, we found where we needed to go. About an hour and a half later, even though we arrived back at the cars at night, we, we, we were on the right track. It isn't until you embrace your helplessness that you begin to see the power of God. We even heard it in the story just then with Claire. She didn't know what's going on. She doesn't know what's happening with her body, but she comes to a point of helplessness. And cries out to God, God, would you come and speak to me? God, would you come and intervene? And sometimes the greatest breakthroughs that you'll ever see in your life will not come when you feel powerful, when you, when you feel super qualified and educated. But the greatest breakthroughs I've seen in my life is when I have felt unqualified, not up to standard of what was required of me, but I've completely and utterly rested and depended on the goodness and 
and faithfulness of God. And as I've done that, there's been a power shift in my life and in my ministry. And that's what God wants to birth in you and in this church today. Paul said this to the church in Corinth. I decided to know nothing except Christ and Him crucified. Now, Paul could have known something because he was an educated man. He was zealous as to the law, faultless. He was a Pharisee. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He, he understood the law. He pursued it. He knew a lot, but he decided to not embrace what he knew. He decided to embrace the utter offense and helplessness of the Son of God dying upon the cross. And as he embraced that, there was a demonstration and accompanying of power that was released out of his life that ministered to these Corinthians in a way that Paul's education and his zeal and his strength could not have ministered to them. And, and, and Paul had learnt something. He'd learnt that God's grace is sufficient for him. His strength is made perfect in his weakness. And until you come into that revelation, that is an upside. The kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. It's paradoxical. It's part of what Pastor Ben was talking before about this whole idea of stewardship. It's like we look at certain sins and we look at certain things according to the worldview of society and we, 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 we look at it and we make certain judgments. God looks at it in another way and he reminds us again in Isaiah 55, my thoughts aren't your thoughts, my ways aren't your ways. If you want your ways to become God's ways, then God's thoughts have got to become our thinking. We've got to embrace the paradox of the kingdom of God. I've learned that nothing will change in your life until your will decides that you're going to embrace your helplessness. Nothing changes until your will decides. God will not force His will upon your will if you don't will it, if you don't want it. He is not, he's not made you a robot. He has not made you someone that will just say, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir, whatever you want, whatever, how high do you want me to jump? Uh, no, no, he is wanting a partnership. He is wanting a relationship. And so he's not going to force his will on you. I heard someone say once, you can't counsel disobedience and you can't medicate demons. Hello. And sometimes what we do is we persist with people who persist in their disobedience. And we're like, you know, come on, I'm standing there with you and, and I'm counselling and I'm burning myself out counselling you. And, and, and we offer medication after medication when in fact this person doesn't want to shift or move from the very place of, of, of rebellion and disobedience and that builds a stronghold that sometimes can be of a demonic uh, uh, origin and, and we're like, we're trying to persist with people and it's like, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience. He waits and by the way, his patience is inexhaustible, all right? Unlike your resources and my resources, we check out at some point. We tap on the UFC octagon mat in the wrestle with God. God does never tap. All right. He, he, he never comes to the place he goes, oh, I think, I think, yeah, I'll release it now. No, God's patience is inexhaustible, but he isn't going to force his will on you. He's actually trying to bring you to a point where you absolutely surrender your will, surrender your helplessness to God. If you ever feel like God is slowly trying to kill you, it's because he is. 
He is. He's trying to kill your flesh off so that you can learn to live by your spirit. See, one of the issues in the church that I see all over the place and been around for 2,000 years now is basically is that although you and I as followers of Jesus are born again, born of the Spirit, our minds have to be renewed. And until your mind is renewed, your mind operates the operating system and the operating hardware of your life, if it's not renewed, it operates according to the carnal, fleshly nature. And sometimes God allows in His sovereignty certain circumstances to arise, certain things to take place where He's actually trying to do an exchange with you where you stop thinking according to the carnal man and you start thinking according to the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit... Paul said, let us walk by the Spirit. You will not prosper in the kingdom of God until you learn to live and walk by the Spirit. We we walk by faith in the Spirit, not by sight in the natural fleshly realm. And one of the challenges of moving the church forward in this day and age is we are so assaulted by, by, our, by the carnal desires and carnal thoughts and carnal um, spirit of this world that we've got churches that are, 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 are by spirit, by birth, by spiritual DNA, we, we are card-carrying citizens of the kingdom, but we're still operating according to the carnal nature. And if there's going to be a change and there's going to be a shift, we've got to start to allow God to actually bring us to a point where we come to the end of ourselves and we start to embrace the fullness of God's goodness and presence in our lives. Greater power comes through greater dependence. I heard someone say once, if you've got everything figured out about your relationship with God, you have an inferior Christian life. If you've, you know, read the book, bought the t-shirt, heard it all before and you sit and you listen to different people that minister and you go, I've heard all this before and you've got your whole walk with God figured out, you're in dangerous territory. Because I don't know about you, but I'm glad when I hear stuff I've already heard before because I probably haven't learnt it fully yet. And I'm still learning and and, and growing in the things that I heard when I was a little kid. I'm still growing in today. But I want to come into the house of God. I want to come into the presence of God with a humility and with a hunger and with a heart that says, God, teach me again. Teach me again what this means. Teach me again what it means to live in your kingdom. I don't want to ever get to a point where I go, I've worked this one out. I read that text before. I know what that means. I've worked this one out. No, I want to get to a place like a little child where I'm reaching out to Abba Father. I'm saying, God, pick me up again. Fill me with your spirit again. Anoint me again. I don't want to ever get before a message and just go, oh, I've done this before a thousand times. I know what to do. No, I sit there in almost trepidation saying, God, please anoint me again to speak to your people. I tell you, when you get that heart that embraces your helplessness, you'll begin to see the power of God. begin to move in your life. Your greatest inadequacy should lead to your greatest intercession. Often our greatest inadequacy leads us to our greatest complaining or our greatest whinging or our greatest gossip. No, our greatest inadequacy should lead to our greatest intercession. 
And out of our greatest intercession comes our greatest power. Even greater works than these will you do, says the Lord. How is that possible? How is it possible to do even greater works than Jesus? It comes back to you learning this principle. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. You know that you're in the middle of a power shift when you move from what you can do to what God can do. And this is what I felt on my heart for, for Pastor Ben and Sarah for this church. 2016 is a year where you as a church and this couple as leaders, where you move from what you can do to what God can do. You move from what you can do to what God can do. And I sense at times, even as a, as a team, at times you're like, how are we going to fill that spot? How are we going to work this out? How are we going to do this and accomplish this? How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to make this happen? And it's like God has been bringing you to the end of yourself. And he's saying, you know what? I'm about to show up and turn up in such an amazing way. I'm about to gather and promote and raise and develop. I'm about to unleash a new move of my spirit. We heard it before. Your own pastor prophesied it. He's making a way in the desert and rivers in the wasteland that there's something shifting. There's something happening. This word is in alignment with what God is doing in this hour in this church. You see, Paul embraced his helplessness so that the Corinthians' faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is what I've learned after traveling around lots of places, seeing lots of churches. The wisdom of man can build church up to a certain point. It's possible. Just like you can, the wisdom of man can build a great business and the wisdom of man can build a great household. I know I've met lots of business people who have incredible families, incredible businesses, but it's all about the wisdom of man. Here's the deal. Do you just simply want to live in the wisdom of man or do you want to live in the power of God? I don't know about you, but I, I appreciate wisdom. I, I thank God for what I can do. And, and there's a whole lot I can't do. Just ask my wife and she'll tell you what I can't do. And, and there's a whole lot of stuff, but I'm not, I don't want to live for that. Right now, I'm in the middle of a season in my life. I am living in the power of God. I don't know how I'm doing it. I don't know how, how I'm keeping up. And the point is I'm not, but I'm just trusting in Him and I'm relying in Him. And He is carrying me by His Spirit. How do you preach over 300 times? in a year. Next year I go to seven nations. I'm not that good. It's not about me. It's about the power of God. And the more I embrace my helplessness, the more he gives to me. I'm like, God, I can't keep up. He goes, shut up and enjoy it. And just you've got to come to a point where you've got to stop relying upon yourself. And you've got to start to embrace the power of God. What if every obstacle was an opportunity for God to show off on your behalf? We look at obstacles as if, you know, this is, you know, an inconvenience. God looks at obstacles and says, what are you complaining about? It's my time to shine. I'm here to show off on your behalf. I was preaching in Malaysia just a few weeks ago and I was... I started into this message, I was 10 minutes in and I just yelled at the 400 leaders in the room. I said, there's about to be a power shift in this room. No word of a lie, less than one minute later, the loudest thunder and lightning I've ever heard in my life 
hit that building and all the power, had a power surge in the building, all the power went out. Lights, microphones, everything, right? 10 minutes into the sermon. I look at the translator, I'm like, wow, uh, God is in the building. And, 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 uh, and, and, and everyone's looking at me and the emergency lights come on and they're looking at me like, this is a man of God. And, and, and I'm looking at God going, what are you doing? And, and, and I said, listen, I can't finish my message because I still had like 30 minutes to go. And I said, I can't finish my message, but here's the conclusion. The kingdom of God does not consist in talk. It consists in power. If you want the power of God, get out from where you are. All 400 Asians just ran to the front, right? And they're all at the front. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. And, and for three and a half hours, three and a half hours, I prophesied over every single one of them. And they said in all of their leadership retreats over the last 20 years, it was the most amazing move of God. And, and, and sometimes God just wants to make you look good. God just wants to show off, but we are so embracing and controlling of, of, of our appearance and how things look to people. And we've got to seem to be strong and have it all together that God's like, I, I can't actually intervene in your life in this situation. You, you, you've got your hands all over this. And until you get your hands off of it, I'm not going to be able to step in. I've learned, get your hands off of it. Yeah, be involved, be engaged, play your role, but don't be so, don't hold that steering wheel so tight. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and just, you put your hands over that and, and just allow the Holy Spirit to guide the vehicle of your life, where He wants to take you and what He wants to do. I tell you, God never called you because of what you can do. He called you because of what He wanted to do through you. It's like sometimes, you, you know, you've got to read the Bible to know that he, he called the foolish things of the world. You're in good company if you're called today, right? The foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of this world. I heard someone say, God without man is still God, but man without God is nothing. God without man is still God. He's complete. It's not like we complete him. You know, Jerry Maguire, you complete me. Rubbish. Uh, uh, you know, um, God without man, some of you said that on your, on your engagement, you know, you complete me. Rubbish. Um, you, 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 you don't marry to complete yourself. You to be complete in God, in yourself. Then you get married and then you, you don't beat each other up. So God without man, God without man is still God. He is complete. He is perfect. But man, without God, we're struggling. That's why Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. And one of the things that I've learned that helps us actually grow in this dynamic of power is you've got to hold on to your testimonies of what God has already done in the past. Because God's power grows through testimony. Now, when Paul came to uh, Corinth, he came proclaiming, <clears throat> what does it say? The testimony of God. He didn't come proclaiming, you know, uh, what he learned at Bible school or, or, or something that he had done in his own wisdom. He came pointing to the things that God had done already in his past as a precedent and a platform for the Corinthians' faith to begin to believe for their own miracles and their own uh, testimonies in their own life. Now, you've got to understand, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. As your testimonies grow, your faith grows. 
When your testimonies dry up, your faith dries up, right? So one of the things that the devil is actually uh, got an agenda to try and do in your life is to steal your testimony, is to steal your confession of what God has done in your life. So let me share a testimony with you. I was preaching at um, uh, Vineyard Church in Sydney and the pastor introduced me to a young man who uh, shared this story about how um, uh, he worked in a secular uh, workplace and uh, he would um, witness to uh, his um, boss and he would witness to the clients and the customers that would come in. And one day the boss said, you know what? Um, I don't want you to talk about Jesus anymore in this workplace. I don't want you to talk to the customers and the clients. And I particularly don't want you to talk to me about Jesus. No more. And so this guy was discouraged, his heart, and went home, started to pray about it. Well, several weeks later, um, the boss came, uh, he, heard, he came to work, this young kid came to work, and he heard these muffled cries in the office, uh, uh, the boss's office. And so he knocks on the door and opens the door. And here is his boss, this lady, just weeping, and tears sobbing. And, and he's like, um, excuse me, what's wrong? And she said, oh, the doctors have just told me she was pregnant. Doctors just told me that um, uh, my baby is dead. And she was like 35 weeks pregnant or something. And, and I'm going to give birth to a, a stillborn baby. Now, let me tell you something. In the medical field, doctors, before they let you know that, they got to know that they're saying the right thing. So they've done all the tests. They've worked it all out. And this young guy looked at this lady and he said, I know you told me not to talk to you about Jesus, but it would be okay with you if I prayed. And she said, yeah, sure. It's amazing how open you get when you become helpless. So right there in that moment, he starts to pray. He doesn't pray a prayer like, oh God, thank you for this lovely lady. Comfort her today in her affliction. No, he just started to call that baby back to life. In Jesus' name, it was rather forward, rather bold. But he felt it in his spirit, started to call this baby back to life. He did pray for comfort. He did pray for peace. But he began to speak to this baby for its heartbeat to come back. Went, the, 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 the girl went and the mother went and had another test less than a week later. And she came back into the office and she, she's beaming from ear to ear. She's smiling because the doctor said the heart rate has returned. And that baby that was dead is now alive. And all of a sudden, the boss looks at the kid and says, anytime you want to talk to the customers about Jesus, and anytime you want to talk to me about Jesus, you go right ahead. And all of a sudden you realise that in that moment, as we embrace our helplessness, the power of God moves, but then there becomes a testimony that we can share with others for you to believe for your own miracles. You see, that's why you've got to share your testimonies. You know what a God story is? It's a testimony. And what God's stories do in your life, one of the greatest evangelistic weapons we have as the church is our testimonies of what God has done. And as you share your testimony, it actually creates faith. It actually builds this power shift into your life. Remember what God has already done because what the same God who got you through that valley and that wilderness will get you through this valley and this wilderness. Because when you testify, you are actually prophesying. You're prophesying of the goodness of God. That's why Revelation 19.10 says, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
Whenever you testify to the goodness of who Jesus is, you're actually prophesying. And for a power shift to be sustained in our life, it's got to move from proclamation to demonstration. I love this. I won't have time to finish this today, but I love what Paul says. He says, my ministry wasn't in words only, but it was in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. There comes a point where you've got to stop talking just what God did in the past. You're going to start demonstrating what God can do today. Right? I don't want to become a professional explainer of why God didn't move. Lots of Christians I meet today, oh, some Christians I meet today, they're professional explainers of why God didn't show up, why God didn't move, why God didn't do that. And it's almost like they, they feel responsible, burdened to explain why God didn't do something. God doesn't need us to explain and justify why He didn't do something. What He's looking for is a people of faith. that says, you know, I, I may not have seen that there, but I might see you here and I'll see it over here and I'm going to choose to orientate and default myself towards confession and faith and, and demonstrating and stepping out, maybe sometimes looking like a goose, but, but I'm going to have some testimonies along the way that I'm going to be able to point to and say, God did that. And one of the things you've got to understand about this church This church was birthed in human helplessness. That may not be encouraging to some of you, but it was. And those of you who were here during those early days know that we had very little money. We had 13 people, but we had a big vision and big faith in God. And this church over the last 10 years has experienced power shift after power shift. And God says, get ready for 2016. As you come into your 10th year, 2016, you're going to experience another power shift. God says, dream again. God says, envision again. God says, give again. God says, believe again. When you come to the end of yourself, that's when you experience the power of God. I prophesy a power shift over this church. I prophesy a power shift over your business. I prophesy a power shift over your life. How is it going to happen? It's when you embrace your helplessness. You say, God, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I know you and I know that you are faithful. It's when you surrender your helplessness to God's faithfulness. At that intersection, at that crossroads, there is a demonstration of power. It begins to take place in our lives. And I want you to stand with me today because the band is sending me signals, get off the stage, Pastor, because they know the brother can speak. Get off the stage. I'm I'm hopping off, I'm hopping off. Um, This is what I want you to do. If you're facing something today where you feel helpless in, could be little, could be big, could be in the middle, whatever it is, I want to invite you to come and stand. I'm going to pray for you that you begin to experience a power shift in your life. I believe that every new revelation demands a new consecration. And oftentimes we hear a word and we say, great, that's nice, we walk out. But there's something about getting out of your personal comfort zone. Not to validate me, it's not about me, I don't care. This is about you. And saying, God, I'm stepping forward and I'm embracing this word in my life, I want a power shift in my life. And I'm going to invite you as we sing and as we worship and, 
And I know God is going to move in this place. Why don't you get out from where you are, come stand down the front, lift your hands and say, God, I'm here. I surrender my helplessness in that situation, in that relationship, in this issue in my business. I surrender it to you. And I thank you right now. I receive your power. Greater dependence leads to greater power. Come on. As we sing, as we worship, why don't you come? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.